smoked them on. No, I haven't smoked them at all. Ever since the game. So, not No. I'm here. Are you happy to be here today? Yeah, I'm alright. I'm in between those lines now, I just work. You know, I'm not playing for myself. You know, I have an organization across my chest. I mean, on my back, I have to represent. I'm just here to work, man. If you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? Huh? If you could talk to Monty, what would you want to talk to him about? What would you want to tell him? I can show him better than I can tell him. That was the exchange yesterday uh, after Sun's training camp practice, day one of training camp out at the uh, their, their facility. Um, and man, that got yeah, immediate reaction. Really Haven't talked to Monty Williams since Game Seven, which was mid-May. 136 days have passed since the Suns were eliminated, and in that time, DeAndre Ayton also kind of went through the ringer, the ringer of restricted free agency, where he got a big contract. He didn't get a five-year big contract. It's four years because mm-hmm. the Suns ended up matching the offer from the Indiana Pacers. And the other telling part of that is, DeAndre, are you happy here? I'm all right. I'm, I'm all here. Right. Yeah. I'm here to work. But he did mention there's a, an organization on the front of my chest that I have to represent as well as the name on the back. I, I Look, this leads to so much speculation. And then when you hear Monty Williams say, um, you know, that, that, that they haven't talked um, a, a, a to each other, and here, here was Monty when he was asked about it when he addressed the media. Oh, I, I think I haven't talked to a bunch of our guys. Um, as I said earlier this summer, like they, they needed a break from me, the gym. Um, unless you were in the gym like every day, I've had interactions with everybody, but talking to guys about deep stuff, there's a number of guys I haven't talked to. Like I said, uh, you know, I agree with that assessment. Everybody mm-hmm. needs a break, especially after an exit like that. But there was there was time uh, t- enough time has elapsed to accomplish yeah, both goals. Let, so let's get to the why. Let's speculate. Let's try to figure out what is going on here. I, everybody's heard this sound. I, th- I think we need to try to bring some insight to what in the heck is happening here. And, and so you look at this, and this basketball team seems to be kind of a mess. It, it, it's really crazy to me that for all the garbage that's gone on in Brooklyn, they're in a better place. Yeah. In Internally than the Phoenix Suns are right now. Mm-hmm. You've got an owner begrudgingly trying to sell the team. You've got a piece, a former starter who is now disassociating himself from the group, asking for a trade. And now you've got this DA money dynamic. That where is this whole thing going? I, DA was asked yesterday too. Would you want to have a conversation with him? And I said, he said, I'm here. So part of what's made people kind of weirded on this is that we frame this thing collectively in the media on media day is, uh-oh, D.A. is unhappy. Uh-oh, D.A. must be resentful that the Suns match the offer. He probably wants to be in, in Indiana. That isn't the story. The story is that D.A. seems kind of like, why am I getting the cold shoulder here? Yeah. And Monty is not being, Monty is not apologetic about it at all. So he must, this must be a tactic, right? You would think, but, you know, Monty was asked, too, do, do you and DeAndre Ayton need to have a one-on-one? I think there are times for that, um, but not not in a way that is unprofitable. I think there's one-on-ones that are always needed between 
guys that have been around for a while. Um, some players need it, some players don't. Uh, I'll identify that as the season progresses. And I agree with that too, but I think this more so than the player, this situation needs mm-hmm. one. And is this, look, we, we go back to the restricted free agency. What did everybody say? The Phoenix Suns cannot let DeAndre Ayton walk away for nothing. Mm-hmm. So whatever offer right. comes in, right. they've got to match it, which they did. Yep, They protected their asset, a yep. number one overall pick. Had he just signed with Indiana, they would have been raked over the coals. But is this an attitude, and I'm just considering all possibilities because, quite frankly, none of this really makes sense to me. Um, is this an attitude by the Suns? Like, why am I going to go through the whole struggle of patching this up? Because we're just dealing him on January 15th anyway, and he's pissed to the point right. where he's not going to veto. Well, it, he's but, not going to veto a trade. It, the I, only but, veto power that, that's built in is he can't go to Indiana for a year. Yeah. But he can go to 28 other right. teams. Right. But, but, but what I think is, I'm not sure that they can rely on that right now. I think that that, that is what they're trying to affect. They're trying to affect his mood. So, whatever the offer happens to be. Because what if they came to DA and said, okay, we're going to trade you to New Orleans. We're going to trade you to Sacramento. We're going to trade you. And I don't want to go there. I don't. Well, but come on, DA. We're going to get Shea Gilgis Alexander in return. I don't want to do that. So I, I so one of the possibilities here is creating this wall and blocking him out emotionally is to let him know you're not wanted here and we're going to trade you and when we do you best hightail it out of here or and, and again it sounds hard, what a healthy or, way to start a season well, right but but that's but is that not what it looks like they're doing in, in fairness though and again considering all possibilities is this okay DeAndre Ayton got paid. We're not putting up with the frivolous, you know, behavior, nonsense, yes. and the dancing and the smiling and the goofing around anymore. Yes. This is us shaping him into the, the, the beast that he needs to be. Yes, I, I, that could also be an alternative. And listen, if this is if this is day one of an or I won't even say day, day one for us, but it's been ongoing. If this is the sign of a new hardcore Monty Williams, sign me up because I do think he needs to get more in control of this group. In terms of not letting to, uh, uh, the whole players coach thing, this is it's not like I'm inferring like he's Cliff Kingsbury here, but I am saying that there have been decisions that and anxieties because, you know, Chris Paul wants this. So if, if Monty is taking on a harder approach with this group because he knows the vibe has to change. OK, I'm I'm certainly interested in that that whole concept. And, and as a game plan for DeAndre Ayton, OK, too. But. DeAndre Ayton was not the biggest issue on this basketball team from what we could see. For on the basketball court, he was not the biggest issue. I he agree. wasn't even the top three. And yet he's being targeted for this. But then you also wonder, you know, again, there's been a lot of questions in the last two days. Is DeAndre Ayton happy? I'm all right. I mean, he was downright sullen in his press conference availability on Monday at Media Day. But... He did do the promotional videos for the for the new uniforms when mm-hmm. they came out. Um, this was circulating yesterday. This was recorded at Media Day, uh, Valley Sports Arizona. Put this out on their social media channels. A message for the Valley from DeAndre Ayton. We are back for revenge. This is not a play-play thing. This is a PSA announcement to all the people in the Valley. Dominating out. I mean, that doesn't sound like a guy who doesn't want to be here past what January does that even 15th. Mean? It's not a play-play thing? They're not playing around. Yeah. Mm. Come on, yeah. Jarrett. Come on, Jarrett. Sorry. I just... It's, Get hit, man. 
<laughs> Seeing the, the absolute joy absolutely sapped out of DeAndre Ayton. Something, isn't it? Two days in a row now. Yeah. I'm just, and we'll talk about this more throughout the show. Is it because of the blame the organization put on him, how he feels that way, or is it because of how they handled his contract negotiations and he feels like he's not wanted? Yeah, and everything's, everything's on, or, or again, but, are they just trying yeah, to create this uh, hard-edged beast? But again, that, that's that all of that makes sense to me, but it doesn't explain Monty Williams' actions here. Because you've got James Jones saying, oh yeah, we, he's always been wanted here. He's a big part of what we're doing. He's a big part of where we're going. And the head coach hasn't even thought to reach out to him. So we don't, I, a, a, a man of deep Christian faith. I wonder what outreach. What actually happened when they butted heads? Maybe Monty's waiting for DeAndre Maybe, to yes. contact him, to apologize Listen, to him. Trying but, to piece together where this thing went. And you've heard me tell my, my recollection and, and, and the anecdotal stuff I saw in New Orleans. Yes. And, but did it, did it predate that? What did he do to get that afoul with Monty Williams? Yeah. And Jared, I appreciate your point, but if it gets to four and a half months later, the head coach has to be the one to break the silence and say, you know what? Yeah. I know we had a tough moment. We've had some tough moments. Mm-hmm. Extend the olive branch. You're the leader of this team. Yeah. So yeah. he must do- not want to do it. Yeah. And this is something that people can relate to, too, in a professional setting or even a, a, a personal setting. I'll pull back the curtain. Last, we had a spat on the air uh, in a commercial break, like last November. I'll refresh your memory on what it was about. Okay. And the big imprint on. I was, I was downright pissed when the show ended, but I was like, we got to work together. And I ended up calling you like half an hour after the show ended. I'm not saying that I'm better at this than anybody else, but that's in a team setting. You can't let this stuff fester for four hours, four days, let alone yeah. four months going yeah. into a season. Right. I mean, what are your goals? Yeah. I, I, look, the Aiden thing, he, could he have initiated? Maybe. But this is a this is a coach's responsibility. That's part of the job right. description. Yeah. But and again, and I agree with all of that. And Marty Williams knows that. Of all people, he knows that better than anybody. Right. So this must be tactical. Yeah, he's not a petty man. No. So this was a choice. This is tactical. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton's going to average Jerry, 35 like dancing back there. I'm not going to talk to any of you guys. Laughing. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I think don't break soon. Something's yeah. broken yeah. back there. You promise? A pen is broken. Yeah. Or it's, I don't know. Uh-oh. Coming up next, the uh, Arizona Cardinals remain stuck on the roller coaster of power rankings. We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. I think there's a couple different approaches. You know, the one is to ignore it like it didn't happen and after you've over-talked it. But um, we've definitely addressed it. We, we've talked through it. And then we know that to, to be the team we want to be, we've got to start faster. I mean, getting behind the, the teams we've gotten behind the first three weeks, the amount that it's happened, it's, it's not sustainable um, to win many games in this league. That's yeah, like Cliff Kingsbury talking about the many ways to address slow starts. And that has been the theme for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, through three weeks of the season, falling behind in all three games, we're able to come back and win one of those games. It is certainly not a recipe for success. It does make you one-dimensional offensively. Cliff Kingsbury talked about that on Monday, too. Mm-hmm. The running backs uh, haven't been as effective as they can be because you know, you, you're know playing from behind. And, and it's yeah. not just like one score behind. They're falling behind to the point where 
they're becoming very, very pass heavy. Uh, I don't think there's ever a game plan for Kyler Murray to throw 58 passes in a game, but that's what happened on Sunday. 81 plays. Zero touchdowns. Yeah, that's something. And and to have and to have drives of 16, 16, and 19 plays, I believe they had, or 15, 16, and 19 plays, and still not to get to 400 yards of total offense, tells you there was a lot of dinking and a lot of dunking and not a whole lot of touchdown dancing. Um, so I, it, it, to me, this is they have got to get a, a better product on the football field fast, and, and they've got to start fast. This is just – it is such a recurring issue – that it's almost laughable that they keep talking about it and then keep living this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? I mean, it, it, this is uh, if you've got the guru, the first quarter should be the easiest. Time Where's to the guru? Where's the guru? <laughs> the guru. It, it, listen, it, it, right? If you've got a true guru, the first quarter should be the easiest time to score. And the Cardinals are having a, a real tough time with it. So they they and, and this idea that starting slow Sunday against the Rams prevented them from getting to this killer game plan. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. If the scripted plays aren't working at the beginning offensively, yeah. change the script. Right. There's always time for right. rewrites. Uh, Kyle Vandenbosch was on with Wolf and Luke on uh, Monday as well, and he talked about that, that that struggle with scripted plays and contributing to those slow offensive starts. You know, coaches come in, they spend all week, um, and they come up with their first 12, first 15. For the most part, it's scripted depending on situations, what happens down the distance and all that. And and you see, um, you know, Andy Reid's first 12. You see, um, you saw the Raiders and their first 12, McDaniels, and then you, you see uh, McVay and his first 12. And, and the play design um, you know the shifts, the motion, the the way they get players in space and get the ball to their playmakers. It all seems to work. Um, you know, for the Cardinals, it's like their first twelve plays on offense. There's no rhythm. There's there's no flow. There's they're not having success. Whether it's a lack of focus or just lack of execution. Um, but their offense doesn't get going until after that first twelve. Until they get through their first set of scripted plays, and and you know it's not like they're having great success after that but they're they're starting to find their legs at that point whereas you know you should be at your sharpest in the first 12 plays that you, that you practice all week and you've studied you go over them the night before the game um so you should be prepared to at least execute your first 12 and that's not happening yeah and if you go back to last year when the yeah. cardinals got off to the 7-0 and start and the 10-2 and start and if you look at their early game success playing from in front as opposed to behind those scripted plays were working pretty well to, to, to create those scenarios so right. it's not something that's completely foreign. It's just lack of flow and rhythm, like Kyle Vandenbosch said, is a perfect way to put it right now. And that's just so inexcusable, isn't it? I mean, again, if if you've got a fun, if you've got an elite franchise quarterback and a weapon like Kyler Murray and a guru calling plays, this is not that difficult. And you rep it in practice. You script it, you rep it, you take the field, you move the change, you score, and then you deal with the adjustments. Well, I'm glad and you, then you deal with the thinking on your feet. I'm glad you mentioned the practice thing because Wednesday is, is back to practice day in the oh NFL boy. for teams that play. Yeah, on, I'll never on, bring this up. There was like eight veterans, I believe, in the week three injury report that didn't practice on Wednesday for rest. Mm-hmm. If you are a team that is struggling to find flow and rhythm – 
I don't think it's the best strategy right now. And Preach. people might say that, you know, oh, you're blowing it out of proportion. No, you're it's, not. it's practice. But no, you're not. We came out of a preseason where there was no reps. Nick Vigil talked about it after week one. Yeah, we were on the field and we were all discombobulated because that's the first time we'd been on the field together. Uh, and, yeah. and, and then the, the, the following talk was you can't replace the, the importance of those reps. Then get the reps in on Wednesday, too. I will take it a step further. If you're a veteran on a football team that is struggling as mightily as the Cardinals are, you should not want a day off if you're healthy enough to practice. That's a great point, too. You should too. not even want it. It shouldn't be. You're right. I totally agree with you. At some point in time, you, you don't just go, oh, these guys are professionals. They'll get themselves ready to play. Really? Okay. No. Explain 31 zip in three first quarters. Yeah. And, and, and tell me about getting ready to play. Yeah. Uh, the power rankings from this week, uh, Cardinals weighed down again, as you would imagine. Uh, they started this season on, on the 12 that I monitor, average mm-hmm. rank of 15.9. After the Kansas City loss, it went down to 20.5. After the Raiders win, back up to 15.3. And after the Rams lost, back to 20.2. I don't have those trajectories for all 31 of the other NFL teams, but I imagine the Cardinals have been the most volatile. Yeah, I think they have to be, right? Yeah, and volatility goes along with really a mystery around what this team actually is. Right, that's, uh, yes, and and I think everybody saw that comeback in Vegas, and they saw just the raw talent of Kyler Murray, and I think it gave him a big bump. But but again, it, in terms of being a corner-turning game, that didn't happen. And, and they got uh, another against, opportunity yeah, to turn a corner right. on Sunday. Uh, they better. Yep. They better get this corner turned because, like I said, then you got the Eagles at home, and I don't think you want to do that at one and three, and then come out of that with the possible loss, and now you are now you're swimming. Mm-hmm. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, Sarah will take us through the big stories of the day through the Rush Hour Reboot. It's next here on Bickley Murata Mornings Live from the Ak Chin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo, afternoons, 2 till 6. Without DeAndre Hopkins, and if Kyler Murray is bottled up, they don't know what else to do. Honestly, without Hopkins, like, you should still be fine. You should still be fine. You should still have plenty to be able you to win football Ernst games gave with. You gave him a lot of money. You re-signed Connor, gave him a lot of money. You traded for Hollywood Brown. You got Max William, and you drafted a kid early in the draft to be a tight end. Like, you should be okay. Yeah. Why are you not? Burns and Gambo, afternoons, 2 till 6. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Hey, it's Vince Murata, and selling your home, as you may know, can be a stressful, tiring process. It doesn't have to be. It can be an easy one, thanks to the team at Hubster. Uh, back in 2014, Hubster was uh, conceptualized and put into reality by Stephen Baxter and Brett Kalina. And the backbone of Hubster is they pride themselves on streamlining the home selling process for the seller. No commissions, no inspections, no repairs. No listings, no daily showings for you to worry about as the seller, and you control the closing date. Yeah, the process moves on your timeline as quickly or as deliberately as you want. Hubster also believes in honesty, transparency, and communication throughout the sale. Those things aren't always evident in the traditional real estate process. Hubster gives you a market value offer for your home based on the competitive market analysis that their team performs that ensures you won't be lowballed. Fair market offer. Join thousands of homeowners who have sold the easier way with Hubster. Call the team at Hubster today at 602-833-HOME. That's 602-833-HOME or get in touch at myhubster.com.
Hey y'all, Rosie here and Romy from Rosie on the House. When you're ready to go solar, deal with an honest solar provider with the integrity to give you a trustworthy proposal that serves your needs, not theirs. Do not buy solar panels till you talk to Fox Valley Electric and Solar. And learn how to maximize your efficiency with an energy management computer. Fox Valley Electric and Solar, correct solar installation at an honest price. Call Fox Valley Electric and Solar for a free solar estimate. 623-587-7370. Across the green desert to where the mountains touch the sky. This is Sanderson Ford Country. Follow the road to Sanderson Ford to check out America's best lineup. Like the all-new award-winning electric Mustang Mach-E. Blaze new trails in a new Bronco or Bronco Sport. And drive a new F-150 or Super Duty truck. America's best-selling trucks for 45 years. Sanderson Ford has trucks with new inventory arriving daily. Or come in and let us help you custom order your truck your way with no deposit. Sanderson Ford is America's most awarded Ford dealership because they treat customers the right way with no hassle, no pressure, no nonsense, no added markups. All roads lead to Sanderson Ford for sales, service, and satisfaction. up to 20 pounds by this time next month at Red Mountain Weight Loss. And for a limited time, new patients can get four free metabolism booster shots and a weight loss consult absolutely free. At Red Mountain Weight Loss, you'll find exclusive programs like RM3, the patented medication that helps you lose weight quickly while slimming your belly, hips, and thighs. Nothing works faster. But call today, because once October is over, so is this offer. Dial pound 250 from your cell phone right now and use the keyword Red Mountain Weight Loss. As a Shane Company jewelry consultant, I see so many customers who have struggled to find a wedding band at other stores. When they come to Shane Company, they find the one. Not only do we have the widest selection of unique wedding bands, we are also experts at helping you find the perfect band to complement your engagement ring, even if it's an heirloom ring. You can play around with stacking bands, try contour bands, or just go with something simple. There are so many options. We also have handsome men's bands, hundreds of styles to choose from in every price range. You might have no idea what you want, but we'll take the time to show you different metal types, fits, and styles. You can even build your own with our online tool. And we offer a free lifetime warranty. Come see us and we'll help you both find a band that you love wearing every day. For some helpful tips, check out our online wedding band guide. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company and Shaneco.com. Good morning, everyone. I am Sarah Kazell with the latest from the Arizona Sports Desk, presented by Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Well, during the Suns' disaster of Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks back in May, you probably remember that DeAndre Ayton and head coach Monty Williams got into a pretty heated sideline exchange as DA was benched, more heated than usual. Well, it seems that we are still seeing the effects of that heat, because yesterday, on the first day of Suns training camp, Ayton said he and the head coach have not 
not spoken since that night over four months ago. Reporters asked what he would like to say to Williams, and he replied, I can show him better than I can tell him. We have all of the details now on ArizonaSports.com, and of course, you know we are going to be talking about it during the Rush Hour reboot coming up next, so make sure you stick around. The Diamondbacks lost to the Astros last night, 10-2 in Houston. Zach Davies gave up four of those runs through four and a third innings. One more game in this series. They get started at 5-10 Arizona time, and you can hear it over on ESPN 620 AM and 98.7 FM HD2. If you like great pitching, tonight is your night. Zach Gallen and Justin Verlander is your matchup. And elsewhere in baseball, we had two division clinchers last night. Paul Goldschmidt and the St. Louis Cardinals locked up the NL Central with a win over the Brewers, and the Yankees took the AL East with a win over the Blue Jays. The latest is brought to you by Sanderson Ford. Sanderson is the number one Ford dealership in Arizona for sales and customer satisfaction. Located on 51st Avenue, just south of Glendale, and online at SandersonFord.com. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into Bickley and Murata Mornings on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the Rush Hour Reboot, which we do every single day at this time. We take you through the top stories of the day. Woo! There is some tea. I like that. There is some tea this morning. Yeah. Piping hot. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. <laughs> what? That's apparently good morning in Gaelic. In Gaelic? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Vince, you can stop at any point. You don't have to keep doing if if it's... It, there was a deep exhale Now it's a, now it's a personal like, challenge. Okay. <laughs> I had two straight days of so, so, people named Vince saying hello in some way. That might be the theme going forward. Oh, 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 oh wow. Okay. And then there's Jarrett Carlin. I'm so grateful we have Jarrett. <laughs> Sorry, DA, can't relate. Me and Monty on good terms. Wow. I'm so grateful we have Jared. Have you and Monty spoken in four months, Jared? I speak every day. Every day. I can't go to sleep without. Texting your No, guy. no, you hang up. <laughs> no, I love you. Yeah. No, I love you. All, All right. right, I'm hanging up. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, yeah, Jared just said it. It's we're, we're talking about the Suns. We're talking about DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams. Um, let's let's start at the beginning. At this time yesterday, we were reacting to Ayton's quiet, subdued demeanor at Suns Media Day on Monday, and we were trying to decipher: was he unhappy? Was he ticked off? Or was he just focused and quiet and serious heading into the season? What was your initial reaction once the Suns match? the pace was off. I was happy. It was all done, I guess. That's it? Yep. Okay. Okay. So that was Monday, speaking with uh, Dwayne Rankin of AZ Central. Then yesterday, the reason we're still talking about this, on the first day of training camp, a reporter asked DA, hey, how are you and Monty doing these days? I haven't spoken to him. No, I haven't spoken to him. Ever since the game. Okay, it's kind of hard to hear with all the bouncing basketballs, but he said, I haven't spoken to Monty, I haven't spoken to him at all, ever since the game. Of course, referring to Game 7, when he and Monty had that blow-up, and DA was benched. So, reporters then talked with Monty, 
And he said he didn't talk with a lot of guys over the summer, trying to downplay it a little bit. He'll meet with guys as needed. Dan, Vince, what do you think needs to happen before the season starts between those two parties? Are you talking a one-on-one meeting? Are you talking a public statement or uh, apology from one side to the other? What will make you feel better about the situation? Certainly not anything public. It needs to be handled behind closed doors. It should have been handled already. But yeah, sit down and air things out. Like DeAndre Ayton, if he needed a break for Monty Williams, he got the break. But yeah. you, you, I, if you, if this is a long-term thing, if DeAndre Ayton is going to be here past January 15th and you still have designs on winning a championship yeah. and not basically forfeiting the first mm-hmm. half of your season just to drive up his, his, his trade stock, you need to patch things up. Yeah, I think that if if they do see a, a, a potential for DeAndre Ayton to be with this team past January 15th, then this is very childish of Monty Williams to be doing this. Because what you said earlier is right on the money. As head coach, at some point in time, even if, even if you look at D.A., even if there's truth to the alleged reporting that Monty claimed D.A. quit on the group, mm-hmm. if there's actual substance to that, and if that is indeed the case, it's still incumbent on... On the coach, especially with a personality, an immature yeah. dude like Da, and, and and so that's that's why this tells me this this has got to be tactical in nature, and I don't know if it is going to change, and I don't know if Monty Williams' demeanor towards him is going to change, and and I think if Da says let's have a talk, if it is tactical, I think he's going to get a side of D of, of more of Monty that he didn't expect. If this is all, if this is all built to possibly trading him down the road, I understand what they're doing. Uh-huh. If it's not, I don't have a clue what they're doing. It just seems to me so out of character for Monty Williams that it has to be tactical. There yeah. has to be a reason. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you think that this situation could impact the way that DA comes out and plays this season? Will we see an, an angry player, a man on fire, or could we see him revert to the other side and go a little bit softer and not care? DeAndre Ayton famously said before he ever played an NBA game, real success in the NBA is getting that second contract. I would disagree. I would say real success is getting a third big contract. So that would be a very foolish stance for him to take, to to tank his own career. Mm -hmm. I think the, the, the other option of him playing with you know more of an edge playing with more constant aggression which has waned from time to time I think that's a lot more po- uh, uh, possible um, you know does it happen we'll see but yeah I, I I think he's starting to realize how this business works and he doesn't want to to doom his own career in doing that and he did say that multiple times yesterday this yeah. is a business I work for an organization that kind of thing taking mm-hmm. taking the personal connection out of it and making it more of a, or, a business transaction Right. Or or if DA just thinks everything got fine because the Suns matched his contract, maybe the Suns are, are, are taking offense to that. Isn't it amazing how the contractual dynamics of our two number one overall draft picks have rocked each of these respective organizations? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is amazing. Careful what you wish for. Hey, how the team, the team stinks, it? but at least you get the number one overall how pick. It's it? not, always, not always silky smooth there. No, no, indeed, it is not. Uh, let's go to baseball. Aaron Judge is still sitting at 60 home runs this season. He is one home run shy of tying Roger Maris's American League record. Uh, last night against Toronto, he was walked four times. So it's now been eight days since he hit his last home run.
home run. That was September 20th against the Pirates. Um, he's been walked 12 times since that game, by the way. And the Yankees have now eight games left in the regular season. This this is not hyperbole or, or trying to, you know, drive up a sense of urgency. Genuinely, do you think he will still be able to eclipse 61 home runs at this point? Uh, he, at the rate I, he's I think so, because he still has a lot of time left. But but I, I really misjudged this. Hey. See what I did there? I really misjudged this. I, I thought teams were going to keep pitching to him. And what Toronto did last night was anything but. Yeah. His and as you pointed out, his walk rate has spiked ever since he got to number sixty. So nobody wants to be the pitcher who gives up sixty-one. Yeah, I'd rather be just completely forgotten your whole career than being the answer to a trivia <laughs> right. question. Right. <laughs> and, and I, I still think he'll get there because I, the, the idea of getting to sixty-one in one hundred and fifty-four games would would beat Babe Ruth's record. And, and I don't care about those records of uh, what fastest in one hundred and fifty-four sure. games, youngest to do this. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but Yankees fans care about. It. And sure. so there's that. Yeah, and, and I think baseball fans care about it too. For a guy like Judge, and, and, and even if they're not Yankee fans, this is something that they can get behind. And, yeah. I, and I think he still will get there because when you get to 60, you've been dialed in to the point where if you get a, hit, a pitch to hit, it's going over the fence. Yeah. And, and somebody will make a mistake. You know, they might not want to serve one up, but location is not always where they want it. So, you know, that, that first pitcher that makes a mistake and puts one in the zone, I think, you know, he'll get, well, it's got to happen a couple times for him to break the record. I think it'll still happen. It doesn't hurt that they have three against the Orioles coming up, so he probably has a chance. Uh, and then followed by four against the Rangers to end the regular season. And then last night they The Orioles are good. All of their pitchers? <laughs> I can't answer that question. The Orioles have technically not been eliminated from the playoffs yet. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. All yeah, the other right. teams ahead of them lose every game. What time's the parade? Ooh. We're all rebooted. Thank yeah, you, Sarah. Are. Rush Thank Hour you, Reboot Sarah. every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, what's holding back the Cardinals' offense through three weeks? We'll focus on a couple of items that really stand out. We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. I think it's all of us, um, you know, coaches and players. Coaching-wise, uh, with some of the, the pieces missing, making sure we're, we're putting the right guys in the right places to be successful. And, and then players not trying to do too much. There's no 14-point plays. I mean, you got to take one after another and, and don't get tired of doing the little things right and, and taking what's there um, at all positions. And, and that's something that I think we've been trying a bit too hard early and, and gotten in a hole, and, and uh, it's been hard to dig out of. Cliff Kingsbury on uh, Monday talking to Wolf and Luke for his weekly visit on the offensive struggles that the Cardinals have gone through um, so far through three weeks this season. And there's a couple things, to, to at least for me, to focus on. There, there's widespread problems, as, as Cliff said there. Yeah. Um, you know, falling behind in games is certainly part of it, but, you know, they're falling behind in games due to the offensive failure, so it's a big circle. Um, when you look at the ingredients of what makes the Cardinals work, historically, and we've got a lot of data to back this up, Kyler Murray as a threat in the run game is certainly one of those things. Now, Kyler talked about it. You know, he didn't have any off, uh, rushing yards in that game until about four minutes to go in the fourth quarter because he says the Rams rush me different. They defend me different than other teams. Yeah, they have a guy named Aaron Donald on their line, defensive line. They do. Continue. And, and but that, you're right. That, right. Certainly, that is something other teams cannot boast is, is a guy like that in the middle of the yeah. defense. But and this goes along 
um, along the same lines as taking deep shots. Cliff Kingsbury said, you know, we take what the, the, the defense gives us, you know, but, but we took a couple shots. Sometimes you got to take what you want or, you know, assert yourself. And I think that goes to Kyler Murray in the run game and it goes to the deep shots. Bernsey was talking about this. You've brought this up before. Um, the, the, the numbers couldn't be more clear cut on how the Cardinals operate as a offense and a team when Kyler Murray is a threat in the run game. It's clear cut in his career when Kyler Murray runs 10 or more times in a game, the Cardinals are 9 and 1. Incidentally, the oh, I only didn't even know they lost a game. The I thought one, they were unbeaten. No, the one game they lost was he he ran for a hundred over a hundred yards and had his highest quarterback rate rating ever in a oh. game against Miami and oh, lost. Oh, that's right. But okay. that's the only time. All nine right. and one. Nine and one. There's been twenty eight times where Kyler Murray runs five to nine times. When that number gets decreased into that range, it's a crapshoot. They're a five hundred team. They're fourteen and fourteen. Wow. Okay. When he runs four or less times. They are 0-11-1, including Ooh. the postseason. Wow. How's that for a pair of bookend statistics? If you were a guru, you might take those numbers and say, hey, but there's a clear path to victory here. I mean, is it happenstance? I, over that many games, I don't think it's ha- it happened. It might be elements of it, but not complete happenstance. And that's where you have to say against the Rams where, all right, they defend me differently. You know, we saw the speed option for the second straight week, but Kyler Murray is always apt to pitch the ball. Uh, And there was the one play where there was a a wide-open gap. Um, I think that's something that needs to improve. And, and, you know, we had a a tweet say, you know, we're comparing Josh Allen to Kyler Murray. Those two guys are very effective runners. Mm -hmm. But Kyler Murray, to me, first of all, him saying, yeah, you know, the Rams defend me differently. I'm I'm, I'm not going to run. That's like Steph Curry saying, yeah, they play good defense against me. I'm not going to shoot threes today. Yeah. You know what it looks like to me? It looks like when when Kyler Murray plays the Rams, he doesn't even want to attempt to try to outrun or outmaneuver Aaron Donald. No. There's a there's there seems to be a default button where that dude gets in his vicinity and down goes Murray. Yeah, but Kyler Murray is a, maybe the fastest quarterback in football. Mm-hmm. He is a great runner. Mm-hmm. He's proven that. He's also the best quarterback I've ever seen at avoiding physical contact. Yes. But there's a there's a there's a lane he needs to get into quite literally. I I agree with you. The rushing attempts here, let's uh, because as we have uh, discovered, people do tend to have trouble hearing at times and and deciphering what we're truly saying. <laughs> I'm not going to get any, uh, going on this, but. When we talk about Kyler Murray running, I, we've seen the RPOs. We've seen the option plays. There have been a couple of option plays that have worked. It ain't because of Kyler Murray. It's been because of James Conner. To me, what it is about is running the ball once there are lanes and separate. Once there's, he's got room to move. So it, whether it's planned or spur of the moment, it comes from him being back in passing formation, and the rush is now around him, and the secondary is downfield, and the linebackers are either or. You might have one guy bird-dogging him, but it doesn't matter. One guy bird-dogging Kyler Murray ain't going to catch Kyler Murray. And so that's what it is. It's spread it out, get the back end of the defense downfield, 
and then let him go. This get, taking the snap and then moving with the intent to run or pitch it to somebody, he doesn't want to do that, and that's not going to give you what you need. What you need are those chunk plays that make a defensive coordinator go, "What? wait yes. a minute, what just happened? Yes. When he's a threat to run, everything loosens up. Yes. That, that's one element that's of it. That's what you have to do. And the passing game has been very, very dink and dunk in nature through Ugh. three weeks, especially against the Rams again. And, and yes, taking what they give you, 37 completed passes, but just for over 300 yards, not really any chunk plays. They've had one pass play over 30 yards this year. I looked at Hollywood Brown's numbers. Uh, last year in Baltimore, where he complained, he wanted out of town. He wanted to be traded because of the way he was used in that offense. Uh, 15 of uh, Hollywood Brown's receptions last year, and he had 91. So that's 16.5% were mm-hmm. uh, for 20 yards or more, which I expected it to be actually a higher ring rate, You know, knowing what we know about Hollywood Brown, his game-breaking speed. This year, though, that number's down to 8.8%. 3 of 34 mm-hmm. have been for 20 yards or more. And then you look at the quarterback in the passing game right now with the way that this offense has bogged down. Uh, J.J. Zacharyson, who's a podcast host, put this chart out on uh, on all the quarterbacks in, in the NFL. And uh, their attempt uh, percentage of attempts that go 15 yards or more in the air. And of those, how many do they complete? Kyler Murray is near the bottom in both categories. His um, he, Only 11.35% of his throws this year mm-hmm. have been 15 yards or more. And when they do, he's completing only 25% of them. Yeah. So in other words, the Cardinal offense is very boring. It's not producing big chunk plays like it needs to. And it's looking very much like it did last year. But it's all going to be better in week seven. Well, right. When DeAndre Hopkins magically returns. When they're one and six. And yeah. Let's knock on wood on that. Um, so I, I, I do think that watching the way Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball downfield, I wonder if Hollywood Brown at some point in time looks at him and go, what did I do here? Well, I think his- I think he was expecting big over-the-top kind of places because if Hollywood Brown wants to become known as a, a an elite, you know, P1 wide receiver, okay, 14 catches for 140 yards is not going to get it done. It's because anybody can dink and dunk through soft zone offenses. That's not going to establish you as an elite playmaker in this league. No. It's the catching the ball mid stride and housing it and outrunning right. the secondary. And look, That's- I'm no Glenn Scobie Pop Warner, but <laughs> was that really his initial? Is that his name? I just looked it up. Yes, uh, but if, is there if, a Mungo in there anywhere? If, if, if the, you know Mungo Beanfield, if the. Uh, defensive strategy has been to do the mush rush and keep Kyler in the pocket. In theory, that gives Kyler more time to throw these big plays, to have these big Mm -hmm. plays develop Mm -hmm. instead of just dinking and dunking. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so I think, and there's there's a time and a place for the dinking and the dunking. But again, this the phrase that that makes my skin crawl with this offense is on schedule. Which means let's dink and dunk our way to a series of first downs and hope we can score when we get to the red zone. What was more infuriating than the comeback last week? These eight-minute drives with you know four-yard passes when you need quick 
exciting quick Even spot. last week, they're trying to, I mean. That's what I mean, last week. Oh, I thought you were when talking. The attempted comeback. Yeah, but, oh, I, I, got, I got you, yeah. Um, even, you know, at the end of the game, the last drive of the game, yeah. it took way yeah, too long. Right. It was just too yeah. too deliberate. It's And this is part of why I think um, some Suns or some Cardinal fans are getting real anxious here is because there's just not a lot of evolution from what we saw last year. And then you just wonder, is this it? Is just, is this the is this the cap of the offense? Uh, and if it is, then this team is sunk. Yeah, um, interesting to see. You know, the, the level of competition in my mind decreases a little bit. Carolina's had their number. Matt Rule certainly has had Cliff Kingsbury's number, not only in the NFL but in the college days too. So we'll see if uh, any of that evolution occurs on Sunday. Coming up next, the eight o'clock hour starts with the Bickley Blast. That's next, Bickley and Murata Mornings, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.